You're listening to The One Relationship, where we believe a strong marriage is the foundation for successful families, communities, and cultures. I'm Kate. And I'm Tanner. We're your hosts, and we've each had our share of unhealthy relationships. When we met, we committed to not repeat the mistakes of our past, so we set out to learn everything we could about creating a rock-solid marriage. Join us every week as we bring you real talk from our experiences, other married couples, and relationship professionals we trust. To start strengthening your marriage now, head over to theonerelationship.com and get access to our free marriage manifesto today. Welcome to The One Relationship. My name is Kate, and I've been spending the last few weeks with you, you and me hanging out, talking about different things, how f- coming up with ways that we can sort of help simplify our life, tactics that we can take into the day to just find a little bit of uh, calm in all that's going on and create a vision for your future. And when we launched this podcast, Tanner and I were together doing our weekly episodes. And then we took a little pause and we said, we'll bring Tanner back in where it seems appropriate. And so today I have my wonderful husband, Tanner, back with me, which I'm so happy about. Yeah, back at it. Here we go. Here we go. And today we are uh, here to talk about something that I've been fascinated with recently (laughs) based on some headlines. And the topic at hand is that money doesn't solve your marriage problems. Yeah. And this is specifically the topic today because I don't know about you. I don't really pay attention to the news. However, I do pay attention to some headlines. And one headline that caught my attention here over the last week or so is the fact that Bill and Melinda Gates are getting a divorce. I'm not big on the sort of celebrity headline TMZ sort of relationship gossip, but it did get us thinking and talking that, you know, this is a good topic to dive into. And it's within the last year, another notable sort of wealthy divorce Jeff and uh, what was his wife's name? Mackenzie Bezos, right? Jeff Bezos, founder of Amazon. So these are literally two of uh, the world's most richest men, at least on paper, based on the amount of stocks they own in their respective companies, who've gotten a divorce in the last year. Now, I've saw some stuff that's like, oh, this is part of a conspiracy theory, and this is their way to like cash out some stock. I don't know about that. I mean, I'm pretty sure Jeff Bezos, like, if you look at him, he's now moved on with that other woman that he's with. Like, that to me doesn't seem like it was just a, a money play. I'm not really sure what's going on with Bill and Melinda, but I saw a lot of, I read a lot of articles and a lot of headlines on this, and probably the absolute worst headline that I saw, I think it was from the Washington Post, I'm not sure. But the worst headline that I saw on this said, if they can't make it work, what hope is there for the rest of us? (laughs) And I couldn't even make it through that entire horrible article. But I was like, well, it worked. It's a headline. You got me. Let me read what you have to say here in this ridiculous headline that you have. (laughs) And basically, it started by saying, can you imagine with the amount of money that they have, how much marriage therapy that they could have afforded? And, you know, they've got all these homes and like they want for nothing. And ironically, 
money and arguing over money is one of the top reasons people list for divorce. divorce yeah. And so this is why I think it's an, an important topic for us to examine because it's like, here's a, a couple we're going to set Jeff and McKenzie aside. Uh, we've got some other, you know, notable divorces or relationship splits that have happened recently, but we'll just set those aside. You know, you look at Hollywood like that. They just, you know, most people in Hollywood can't stay married for more than a few years. J-Lo and A-Rod was a, another split recently. They weren't married, but they were like together for a couple of years. So you look at these people and and you go, well, okay. If money is one of the most common reasons for the non-celebrity, non-wealthy billionaire, but then you have these cases where clearly money wasn't an issue. So let's just set that aside and examine this topic of money either being an issue in your marriage or solving problems in your marriage. And we're here to tell you that money is not the issue in your marriage and it's not going to solve the problems in your marriage. When Tanner and I got married, we both knew that we had struggled with money in our previous relationships. And, you know, as a single professional, we were not taught about money as kids growing up, which I think is just a disservice that we're doing to our youth that they're not learning financial, you know, good financial habits. But well, hold on, I want to say something. It's not that we weren't taught because whether or not somebody takes an active role in teaching us or not, we all learn as children. We learn everything that we know about life as children based on the observations of our environment, our parents yeah. and the people around us. So it's yeah. not that we weren't taught. Yeah, it's we were just taught that we what we learned, we realized what we learned about money was not serving us to live the life that we desire. And quite fr frankly, they weren't they weren't really like healthy financial practices. You know, it, it, I, I come from immigrants. And so, you know, you come to America and it's you work really hard and you save your money and you live within your means. And if you're running out of money, then you'd stop doing stuff. And and it's not that's not necessarily the, the healthiest way to live because you're just constantly in this scarcity mindset. And so so we both came into our marriage recognizing that we had some things to learn and we still have things to learn. We continue to make sure that we're learning everything that we possibly can to continue to have like healthy, positive practices around, around money. But we took an active position in saying, okay, what's the first thing that we could do to help better our education around this? And we took a financial class. And we took that class knowing that we didn't know it all and that we had some struggles in our past and we did not want to repeat that now as a married couple and as a family and we knew that we wanted to teach our children differently from what we had learned and so we took that active role a lot of people though don't do that and from you know couples we coach and the people we've had interactions with like we've recognized that they they're not doing anything about changing their financial situation. And so it just becomes this extra thing within the marriage that becomes uh, a stress point. And 
the reality is if we all took a more active role in learning more about how to be financially free and how to use money to, you know, do the things that we want to provide the life that we're looking for to be of service to other people. Like if we all actively took on that role to learn these things, I I mean, quite frankly, I just the world would be in a very different place. And that's something that we're just actively saying to ourselves for our family, that we want to make sure that we are always learning these this habit in a good, healthy, positive way. Yeah. And so the point of this episode is not to <laughs> teach you financial advice. No, we're not the ones to do we're, that. We're not the ones to do that. We, you know, we started with Dave Ramsey, one of the most, you know, known people in the financial industry. I think as we've learned more, we've surrounded ourselves more with people that are, you know, in in investing and entrepreneurs and people that really know how to leverage debt in a good way, not just rack up consumer credit card debt, which was one of the indications to both of us that we didn't know what the hell we were (laughs) doing because of our credit card bills. But to leverage debt in a way, what I've realized is that Dave Ramsey was a good start for us. And Dave Ramsey can be a good start for many people. You also don't have to learn from Dave Ramsey just to figure out how to do a budget. I mean, the most basic thing that he teaches is do a budget, don't use your credit cards, pay off debt, you want to pay down your mortgage early. He talks about, you know, how you should be saving for an emergency fund. So those are all pretty, you know, to us, we're like, oh my God, we'd never learn this, right? And it's kind of embarrassing now, but that was just a few years ago. And we were both, you know, we were both employed in six figure jobs it's not like we were making minimum wage so this isn't a this isn't a problem i'll just say that like you can't out earn bad spending habits and bad money mindset and there's a lot of people you know i felt like gee many christmas we're you know we're in the top couple percent of you know earners in terms of you look at the salaries in america and like to be in the top 1% of you know earners in America which was a big thing rally against the 1% but the top 1% starts at a household income of $400,000. So we were not far off from that and <laughs> had a lot of debt didn't know what we were doing and so it's like it's not like we were just scraping by making minimum wage but we didn't learn what to do with every dollar that came in. And so Dave Ramsey was a great place for us to start. Again, the point of this episode, though, is not to break down and tell you everything financially that we've learned. We still continue to learn. I think this is probably one of our biggest areas where we still continue to learn. But we want you to know that just because money is something that you may have as a a challenge or or a constant friction point in your marriage. And because uh, a majority of people cite finances, money is one of the top five reasons that people indicate that they get divorced. More money will not solve your marriage problems. Simply having more money will not solve your marriage problems. I mean, money doesn't does money doesn't necessarily solve any problems for that matter. It allows you to have choice 
which I think is the bigger thing when you can say, okay, I've got more money to be able to make choices as to what would be more beneficial for my life or not that you you don't necessarily have when you're struggling. I was in New York City living in my apartment, this little tiny one bedroom that was probably not even 500 square feet. I've had two New York City apartments, like 500 square feet. And like, I'm paying out of the yin yang for it. But it was a, you know, it was a dream it was a goal of mine, I'm going to live in New York City. And I had looked at my finances and said, Okay, here's what I can afford. And this is the budget that I have for rent. When I was moving out of Queens and into like Manhattan, right, I wanted to be like, in Manhattan. And I got in a few months into this apartment and like, holy crap, this is more expensive than I realized. And I didn't calculate all these extra expenses that were part of my, you know, monthly or just, you know, a regular routine that I was now literally strapped. I'm like, I barely can have money to pay bills. I can't go out and enjoy myself in New York City, like finally made it here and I can't even do anything. And I'm, you know, sitting in my apartment, like crying because I'm like, what the heck did I do? So, you know, not having money definitely causes problems. And but you have less choices. You have less choices. I had uh, and we were talking about this before we, we started the episode. It's like I had basically two choices, like how I'm going to pay my bills and how am I going to figure out to make more money? You know, and that was, you know, how am I going to survive? So when you have more money, it allows you to have choices. And, you know, we talked about that. We, we were mentioning before we started, you know, money is the root of all evil. And I kind of cringe at that statement because money only just enhances who you are as a person deep down. And when we say money isn't going to solve your marital problems, well, it's because there were problems to begin with. There were things that were lacking within your marriage to begin with. And, you know, we came from a place where Tanner and I were like, okay, here's the foundation of our marriage. So yes, we might have arguments around money, or yes, we're going to have disagreements about certain things, but it's not going to break us because our foundation is strong. And one of the things that we said is that we were going to always make sure that we were learning and figuring out this money thing. So even if it became a tense situation, we were going to find some kind of solution. We were going to continue to actively figure out you know, how are we going to improve our situation and and have, you know, just better education around finances. So I feel like the money part, it, it enhances what's already there. So if you're feeling you're in a place right now where your marriage is stuck, and you're arguing and money comes up, look at it and say, Okay, but what are we as a couple? Where are we, you know, as in terms of our foundation of what we want for our future and our family and our marriage. And then you can say, okay, money's a hard topic right now. What can we do about it so that we can find some kind of solution to this so it's not a constant piece of tension within our relationship? Yeah. So first off, money is all evil. That 
is actually they're missing a couple of words there, right? Which is the love of money, root of all evil, is actually mm. what it says in the Bible. So, one, that statement is, has been taken out of context for anybody that heard that and has maybe struggled with their financial mindset because they maybe they grew up in a religious household where somebody misunderstood that verse yeah. in the Bible uh, or a church that, you know, left out the few words, whatever it is, something that I cert- I grew up, you know, I didn't even grow up that religious, but it was something that I had certainly heard money is the root of all evil. And it's like, oh my God, you know, I also like Zig Ziglar saying, which is money's not the most important thing, but it's up there next to oxygen in terms of what you need to live, right? Like aside <laughs> from breathing and water and, you know, even food, you've got to have money to, to have food. So pretty much next to being able to breathe, you need money for everything else that you need. So it's not evil. It's not bad. It's something that we had to break through. And um, it's not just that we said, oh, we're going to just keep learning about money in our family. We said that we are committed to constant learning and growth about everything. Right. And things go in seasons. And so you may be in a season of financial struggle, particularly given how the last year has gone. You may also be in a season of financial abundance based on how the last year has gone. I've known a lot of people who have had more prosper, you know, more abundance and prospered more in the last 12 months. And I also know people who have struggled more in the last 12 months. But just know that whatever your story and your situation is, not everybody's in the same position. Not everybody has struggled financially in the last 12 months. A lot of people have have prospered and, and vice versa. But money really is a magnifier, both to who you are as a person, and then in a relationship, who you two are in your relationship and what you value in your relationship. And it's easy, money's easy to, you know, say, well, that's an issue and put that on other people, because one, we need it. And two, it's one of the only things that we have that we can actually measure. Right. You can measure your time and how and where you're spending your time. You can measure your weight, which is a a decent indicator of your health. There's other aspects about your body and your health that you can measure. And then you can measure your money. And it's pretty easy now, especially with online bank accounts. Even if you don't do a budget, you just and here's the other thing. Doing a budget does not mean just constantly checking your bank balance and seeing if you have money to spend or checking your credit card limit and seeing if there's any money. That's not a budget at at the very Mm. basic budget is money in and money out. And for us, you know, we struggled with this and continue to have to practice to make it something that we're not being wasteful of our finances. Because if you're not doing a budget, I can guarantee you, even if you feel like, well, I don't even have enough money to budget, you know, (laughs) or you don't want to look at it, I can guarantee you if you're not tracking it, that you're losing several hundred, depending on how much you make up to several thousand dollars every month, if, if you're not watching where it's going. And very basically, it's a matter of like, how much money do we bring in? And for many people that have paychecks, that's a fixed amount. For people that have maybe salary or sales jobs or 1099s or other type of work, it's like, well, take an average and figure out what do you roughly bring in? And when you uh, do that, you know, you want to go on the low side. You don't want to go, well, my best month is this. And so let's budget based off the best month. No, you should probably based off somewhere in the middle. And then you know what your rent, your mortgage, you roughly spend on food. I mean, when we took Dave Ramsey's class, they're like, get, told a story about somebody who was spending like $1,200 a month on eating out. And I'm like, oh my God, that's crazy. 
And then when I looked at the amount of money that we'll spend on eating out some months, I'm like, oh, that that actually wasn't that crazy. But if you don't pay attention to it and you don't track it, you have no idea. So that's just a very simple like regardless of where you're at and, and how much you make or don't make or how you feel about it, very basically tracking what's coming in and what's going out and especially the expenses utilities, the rent, the mortgage, the child care, the and tithing. I mean, Dave Ramsey taught us about tithing and how he tithes first. And when he and his wife were broke, he put tithing his 10% at the first, you know, at, at, at first thing that goes out and then listed all the other bills underneath so that you know, the bill number fifth, sixth, seventh down the line was calling to be like, yo, where's our payment? He was like, well, here's where I'm at. This is all that's coming in. Here's where I have my, you know, my expenses and you're number sixth on the list. And so you can either work with me or, you know, you're just going to have to wait. And, you know, and at the end of the day, these creditors will figure something out to to get some money from you. But, but I mean, but he was like, God asks for 10%. You give your 10% first and then you go down the list. And I like, I remember, you know, the, those years in New York, I did not tithe 10%. I got to a place where I was able to give, but still not giving at 10%. And once we got married and we said, okay, we're committed to doing our 10% first. The switch on where money was coming from, job opportunities, business deal, like we ended up getting, like God is going to provide you if you do it according to his law. Like it's just, it's just a weird freaking nature of how it happens. But, you know, I struggled and struggled with figuring out money and debt because I put my priorities in the wrong place. But as soon as I put God first on that, like it just changed everything around. And so now we practice like, yeah, we might be tight this month or something might be going on and whatever, but it doesn't matter. Our 10% comes out first. And I that was just a huge awareness that came out of that day's Dave Ramsey course that we practice to this day. And it really does work. So, you know, you're looking at your bills and I know it's a scary thing like to trust that process, but it works. It really does work. Yeah, there's a saying you can't outgive God. And that was the thing that for me, one, I didn't, really have a religious church affiliation. Kate was way more rooted in faith. But once we heard that, and Dave Ramsey isn't the obviously the only person, it was just like, that was the first time of us being like, oh, maybe there is something to this. Yeah. And then we specifically took classes from the church on tithing and the financial aspect. And what's interesting beyond that, right? And, and so I was like, let's do this. And I was quite honestly, and I've said this before, like I came at tithing from a selfish place of like, well, if this is really how this works, and if all these people are telling us like, hey, give 10% of your money to God, and he'll take care of you, like, let's do that. I don't even, you know, like, I really wasn't even into church at that time. I was just like, let's do this. And Kate was like, (laughs) faithful going to church every week, but like, oh, man, I don't know. You know, I give a little bit. And sometimes I give, you know, sometimes more and this. And if it's a holiday, and I'm like, let's figure out what's coming in. And that was part of the budget. Like, what's coming in? What's 10% of that? And it's funny who... I can't remember where we heard it, but somebody's like, oh, you know, a lot of you, when you talk about tithing, you want to know, like, is it off the gross or off the net? And it's like, doesn't you decide that, right? Like, 
you're but you're not even making a you're not even making an effort to make the 10 percent if it feels like a big leap start with your take home not your gross if you make a you know, you got a salary where you're making a hundred grand a year. You don't, you know, you don't have to tithe on the hundred grand. You tithe on the 70 or whatever that actually ends up into your, in your bank account and start there. Like we just said, how much money comes into our bank account. And, and then like, honestly, it becomes a problem. We're like, Oh, we just, there's some more money that came in. We've <laughs> got to figure out what to do with this. Oh, now we've got more. And it's like, Whoa, you can't stop tithing at that base limit when more money starts to come in you have to up it and up it and you know we were we still go to different churches and we were going to different churches and had different practices and it was like i didn't judge you know where kate's portion of it was going and where we just said you know what here's what we have to work with let's cut this in half let's give it to our respective churches now that spans beyond you know just churches and it's based on The fact that we learned, you know, tithing really is about where you get your spiritual food yeah, and and who you feel is helping advance whatever you view as, you know, your spiritual food and what's filling your soul. What that does, we specifically learn what that does not mean is charities. When you give to need, which is a charity you're actually advancing need. And I feel like this is a whole separate topic that I don't want to go down too far down that rabbit hole. But the point is, and you're not in charge of what your church does with it. It's just like taxes, right? People go, oh, well, I don't want to pay taxes because X, Y, and Z. And listen, I'm all about paying the lowest legal amount of tax. We've got to, we pay an accountant a very handsome salary or not salary, but a very- fine fee to help us pay the least legal least amount of taxes. And she used to work for the IRS. So I'm all about paying the legal least amount of taxes. And it's not about like, well, I don't like what the government's doing here. So I don't think I should pay. No. And it's not like, well, I don't think, why did the church support that organization? Or did they really need that statue? And is that what my money's going to? You're not in charge of that. You're merely in charge of giving the 10% to the organization or organizations that you feel one, you're getting fed spiritually and you feel that they have a greater purpose. And the thing that we noticed, we've been to a few different churches. The thing that we noticed that was very interesting is that the churches that talked more about tithing and about money actually thrived more financially. And the churches that said very little about money and tithing and would just like pass the basket back when, you know, that was legal. Now you can't even pass the freaking basket. But the churches that were just like pass the basket without teaching anything about money were struggling financially. And we brought that up with one church in particular. And it's like, listen, you're struggling financially. You come to people and do this sort of plea about how the church is not making their budget, but you don't teach people anything about tithing and the spiritual value of tithing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the... the, So we got to have a whole tirade here. It's all about money. (laughs) But the, the point is, like, money is not your marriage issue and more money will not fix your marriage problems. Yeah. And when you're looking at your marriage, I think, you know, the takeaway from here is, especially if finances are the thing that you are 
finding to be sort of those heated conversations, really stop and say, okay, you know, talk to your spouse and be like, where do we want to go? Like, what are we doing? You know, what is our vision for the future? What are, what does it look like for us? Are we struggling a year from now, five years from now? Are we in a better place where we're able to have more choice and freedom to do things that we want to be able to do? You know, what does that look like? And I think if you can really focus on where you're going, then you can say, okay, today, then I'm going to make choices that are going to lead me down that path. We, Tanner and I, you know, always talk about, you know, our vision and where we're going and what we want to do and, you know, what are we going to experience? And so it's like, okay, so then what does that mean for today? What are those choices we're going to make today? So, you know, budget is a huge part, like take the time to tell your dollars where it's going. So you can, you know, you can feel like you've got a handle on what the the finances are. And you're not in this place of like, oh, but now I want to buy this. And then that, you know, like, just tell your money where it's going, and know what that looks like. And then like, think of the future, you know, where do you want to be? And do you want it to be Groundhog's Day, you know, five years from now, and you're just repeating the same day over and over again? Or are you going to live a life that is more fulfilling and purposeful and enjoying, like of enjoyment, then make those choices now? Yeah, there's a couple other things that I want to say on this. And I think it's, you know, we live in a we live in a time now where it's not 100% or even the majority, maybe it's still the majority, but there's a stereotypical or type where the man majority of the money, the women either doesn't work and takes care of the kids, or maybe she's got a part-time job, or maybe she's working full-time. And because of still taking uh, care of the kids, know, the glass ceiling, <laughs> her skill sets, maybe the time off that she's taken because of the kids for whatever reason, right? Stereotypically, men make more money than women. Not all cases. I know many marriages now where the the woman is actually the breadwinner. Um, but the point is, regardless of who makes more money or if one person's working and one person's not, it is a very dangerous and detrimental approach to be possessive of your money in your relationship. If you said yes and you committed to spending your life with this person in marriage, the money that comes in is the money for the marriage and for your family. Things like having separate bank accounts, using the, again, I just find this as a particularly thing where if the man makes more money, he uses that as a way to have power and control over the woman, hiding money. And then the flip side of that, again, very stereotypical, is that the woman just goes out and she sneaks around in terms of what she's spending. She's filling her emotional voids and needs with spending, and, and that becomes very detrimental. And so if you're in a position where money is being used as a weapon, again, this goes back to what we said earlier, which is that money is... Uh, amoral, right? Like money is, is merely what you do with it and who you are as a person, it will magnify that. And whatever problems you have in your marriage, it will magnify that too. So if you're using it as a way to have power and control, stop. <laughs> if you're spending it secretly 
out of, you know, maybe how you feel about your spouse and uh, you just feel like, well, screw it. Like, I'm not happy. I may as well just go spend this money. I'm going to go spend his or her money, blah, 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 out of resentment. Stop. All of these things are very detrimental. And again, it's not about the money. It's about the trust that you have in your relationship. It's about your ability to communicate. I think it's, I think it's largely, though, about trust and about trusting each other and being committed to each other. And and if you're using money, you know, as a power swing or as a way to get back or a way to harm somebody, that's going to be very detrimental. And obviously, you know, it leads to what we started this talking about, which is divorce. And I've been through divorce. It was a costly divorce. It continues to cost me, particularly right now, costing us. Right. <laughs> it did cost me. Right. Now it's costing us and will continue to do so. And so it's very costly. And I was at a men's retreat a couple of weeks ago, and we specifically talked about money and wealth building. And one of the greatest ways to build wealth is to stay married. You know, we think that divorce is, oh, it's 50-50. So the one spouse is going to take 50%. And it's not. They said it's actually about 70 to 80% of, you know, whatever you make or whatever assets you have at the time of divorce you end up losing about 70 to 80% of that. And that's one, because you have to actually divide the assets. You've got to pay the lawyers. You spend your time, focus, and energy arguing about stuff. Like, it, it divorce is a very costly activity beyond just the, oh, half of my assets or half of my whatever that you have to split. And oftentimes you think, oh, well, yeah, but it's worth it because I'm going to be able to go on and do X, Y, and Z, blah, 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 blah. And listen, you may be in a situation that's not right. And we've said this, like, we're not proponents of divorce. We're also not proponents of staying in a situation that you've absolutely done everything you can. And you've come to the point where you've determined, like, this isn't good. And neither one of us are happy or healthy. And like, this isn't like, safe. there's ir irrevocable. Yeah, you're not yeah, safe. safe. There's yeah. irrevocable damage done. That's for you to determine. What I find is that most people give up before they've actually exhausted those options because they think like, well, I'm, I can just move on. And the truth is that you're going to take whatever problems you have in that marriage and that relationship into the next marriage if you don't do something about it. And generally doing something about it costs money. Like you don't just figure out problems on your own without spending some money in counseling, through coaching, through retreats and seminars. We've done it all. We continue <laughs> to do it all because we know the cost of not doing anything and the cost of thinking that like, oh, we'll just figure this out or, oh, we'll just grin and bear it. Or, we'll just do this the hard way. Everything, everything has a cost. Whether or not there is actually a physical payment that you are making, everything has a cost. And opportunity cost is a real thing. When your energy and your mental attention and everything is wrapped up in your marriage and the problems of your marriage and what's going on and how do I get out of this or going through a divorce, you're missing out on other opportunities, be it a promotion at work, a business deal, something out there that could actually make you more money 
it might not be costing you financially right now. You might not be writing a check to have an argument with your spouse, but if you're so tied up in your emotions and then your anger hijacks your brain and all you can think about is how could they have done that and how much you hate your spouse and blah, 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 all this stuff, that's all mental energy that's going into the problems in your marriage and not into the betterment of your life and potentially greater financial opportunities. So everything has a cost. Money and arguing about money in your marriage is simply a sign that there are other issues, primarily probably around trust and past hurts and things that have happened in the past. And also what Kate just talked about, which is lack of clarity for the future. Those are two common things that are going to trip you up is that you're still hung up on the past and or you're not clear on where you're headed in the future. And like we said in the middle, we got a little bit into the budget, but if you don't have a budget now and you're saying that money is an issue in your marriage, that is a great place to start. If you do have a budget or you want help with a budget or you've just got other issues where you're like, okay, I know what you're saying is true. Money seems to be something we're fighting about we have plenty of it, but we can't get past this and we don't actually know what those underlying issues are, then we'd love an opportunity to have a conversation with you and see if there's something that we see that you might not be seeing because you can't see uh, the label when you're inside the bottle, right? You can't read the label when you're inside the bottle. When you're inside of your own marriage, you might know with your head knowledge, like, okay, we have enough money. There's no reason to be fighting about it here, but you just simply can't figure out what the, those underlying issues are. If that's where you're at, just shoot us a text, 720-459-4219, 720-459-4219. Just be like, hey, we just listened to their podcast episode and we financially don't like we're not strapped, but we can't figure out why we keep arguing about money or maybe it's not even money. Maybe it's just stupid stuff that that you're like, I don't know why we're arguing about this. I don't know what's underlying this, but we just want to not do this anymore. And we want a different way. We'd love to have a conversation with you, a complimentary conversation and see if there's something that, you know, we see that maybe you don't and create a plan for you to have that vision for your future of your marriage so that you can actually be working towards things and not just arguing about the day to day. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks so much for joining us on The One Relationship. Thanks to my wonderful husband, Tanner, for joining me this week. Yeah, I yeah. love it. And, and stick around for the upcoming episodes because we've got some really cool interviews and experts coming on that we're going to continue to talk and dive into this conversation about relationships, marriage, family, and so much more. Thanks for listening to this episode of The One Relationship. Be sure to subscribe right now. And we'd love it if you could do us a quick favor too. Please rate and review this podcast. This will help others who want to strengthen their marriage discover our content. To get our free marriage manifesto today, head over to theonerelationship.com. And while you're there, we'd love to hear from you. Just hit the contact us button and send us your questions and feedback. Join us next time for more real talk on The One Relationship.